Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined today first by Sia Najad. Sia, welcome. Welcome. Every time there's a break, I feel like, and last week to me was kind of a, like a DraftKings break, even though it kind of wasn't. So it was a break for me. And anytime there's a break in golf, it feels like an eternity. So I feel like I'm back after a long break. It's the weirdest thing. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to kind of have a full field here. Let's get it started. Uh, he's back, baby. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, hello, sir. What's going on, boys? I See, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, the breaks in golf are too long. If when you have, That's what it feels like when you come back, even though there are hardly any breaks. So my wife definitely doesn't think the breaks are too long. Um, but I feel like I'm missing something. And, and last week is just such a different kind of analysis and breakdown. It's so unique. It's nothing like what uh, we're very well, very different, at least, than what we're going to go through tonight. Yeah, back to the full field, back to the 36 hole cut. It's stroke play. It's going back to a course that we've seen before. There's just a lot of comfort in this week for the Sanderson Farms. Producer Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be splendid much. Thank you very much. That's my website, rickrungood.com. See you in a job. Let's talk about the golf course. The Country Club of Jackson, uh, larger than average greens, short-ish rough, probably two inches or so. What types of golfers do we think could find their way to the top of the leaderboard this week? So good news, bad news. The good news is it can be any type of golfer, I think, based on what we've seen in not just the winners, but in, in just the people who have done well here. The bad news is, the same thing I just said. So, I mean, I think this is one of those things where everybody's definitely in play. I think you could kind of err on the side of the bomber narrative if you wanted to go there. I think you could err on the side of the driving accuracy narrative to put yourself in the best spot on approach. Um, for me, and I know we're looking at this chart here, and, and approach is certainly going to be important. T to green, not a huge surprise there. Um, you know, we've got some weight on on driving distance as well. Um there's not much on driving accuracy. I got to say, just as a pivot for me, I think I'm going to be looking at driving accuracy a little bit more than maybe most of the field is. Yeah. While you're looking at, you know, my model, which shows you the strongly correlated stats, this is by no means the only path. And and Greg, that that goes not only for this week, that goes for every single, even, even all weeks where there are very strong correlations. It's just it's just that it, it's it's a correlation. It is not a guarantee that every single golfer in the top 10 is going to be exactly the same. That's never going to happen. It's just basically saying more often than not, historically, here's how it's gone. It's not like the only people who are going to find success this week are people that can putt well and people that can hit their second shots close. This is the hardest thing to figure out about making fantasy lineups. Um, and our job here is to use data and analysis to come up with some guys that are likely candidates to perform really well. So this data in our world here becomes really important. And a lot of the names we throw out or that I throw out will fit this model. But when you look at the optimal lineup at the end of every week, uh, there are many guys in there um, sometimes two, sometimes three, sometimes all six who don't really, there's not really a reason. Like you don't really say, Oh, I knew it. I should have known it. Um, there, there are always flyers in the game of golf. 
And you just look at the Sanderson Farms last year. Sam Burns won. Okay, we could have, we all could have had that. He was a rising star. Nick Watney came in second. Cam Young. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was a flyer off the Corn Ferry Tour. That that's not an easy one to predict. Hayden Buckley was a rookie last year. Andrew Landry. If you ever pick Andrew Landry in a week, I it's just you're rolling the dice. I've never he and Austin Cook. I've never been able to figure out. They are mm-hmm. ultimate poppers. Trey Molinax, maybe a good play this week, but they, there was nothing that said he would play well last year. Henrik Norlander was in good form. Siwoo Kim, a ball striker. But I mean, you you just hear these names: Seth Reeves, uh, Sahith Thagala. At the start of last year, we didn't know who this guy was. He was a, a Corn Ferry Tour flyer again. Uh, CT Pan. It, it, the list goes on and on, and it's like this every year. And so it goes to um, a couple things, in my opinion, and Sia kind of nailed them. There are a lot of pathways to victory. Uh, there are a lot of pathways to success. And you got to navigate the recent form where many of these players have had a longer break than we've even had. Uh, and and the Corn Ferry Tour players where the data is very limited uh, and also the level of competition is is different. There are a lot of variables early in the season that um, I think you draw a little more. They ask for a little more nuance in your selections, a little more feel, uh, notice, which is interesting. Anything, Greg, there about Sam Burns' uh, victory last year? No, anything, anything stand out to you on that stat line? I uh, lost strokes putting. All strokes putting. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to do. JT did it uh, in Memphis. WGC. Was that, was that the JT one? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. When but it was a, yep. It's, it's tough to do. It's rare. And you know, what's interesting too. If you look at your, your course key stats, putting is strokes game. Putting is the strongest correlated stat. Yeah. Now. Because, so, because that looks at, how Sam Burns putted for the season, which was very well, not necessarily how he did it that week, which was probably well below his baseline. Okay. So I, that leads me to another question mm-hmm. um, for the season. Is that la- last season's statistics? Yes. The season in which the finishes came. So it would be 2021 season versus uh, 2021 results, 2020 stats versus 2020 results, 2019 stats. Okay. Versus, yeah. So the info for the Sanderson farms this year, mm-hmm. you won't get a sense until, until August. Correct. Or at least until the, uh, no, right. Until August, because I would have, right. So every, at the end of every year, I rerun all the numbers because Got that, it. they're all done. So the Fortinet from this year, that model isn't because you can search courses. That yep. model is not going to change until the end of the year. Correct. It will not. Well, it will not. In, well, it will not include this event from two weeks ago until the end of the year, which when I add that, it'll be like, you know, one seventh or one eighth of the data in there because it goes back to since we started going to Silverado. Got it. Yeah. So it's a small change, but, it, but small it, change. It, it got it. Okay. Um, we have had some guys, Sia, that haven't played in five weeks, six weeks, but we also have some guys who are coming straight from Charlotte. If you believe at least the American side tweets, uh, might be a little hangover, a little celebration hangover. Sam Burns <laughs> going to try to defend uh, coming straight across, uh, Sebastian Munoz also in the field, and there is one more that I, uh, Bezadenhout, I believe, are the three that are coming. Anybody else that I missed? I think no. Munoz. Quick, um, Sia was telling me. I ta- I called Sia for Did some fantasy Munoz? football advice. Munoz is uh, is apparently out. At least that's what it indicates on DraftKings, and I don't know why the out tag would be there since I saw somebody else them. tweet about it as well. I will look into that. See, let's let's talk about Burns and uh, Bizzaino and also the larger idea that some of these guys haven't played in five weeks, and I will try to find out what I can about Sebastian Munoz. Um, and before I even comment there, do you all remember there was somebody who lost strokes on, uh, putting, a prominent name just this last year, lost over two strokes putting and won the tournament? Anyone? Um, yes. We talked about R- it like a ton. R- RBC Heritage, I believe. 
Oh, Jordan. Spieth, yeah. There we go. Yeah, he lost two and a half strokes putting and took that one down. Um, Yeah, so as far as the break is concerned, I mean, first of all, the guys coming over from Quail Hollow, I I don't really have any measurement there that that I think is pertinent. I I think they'll be just fine. I think they're probably in better shape given that they, they were able to play competitively last week. But as far as the guys who have taken a break, I think you could spin that, you know, to their favor or against them, depending on how well they played prior to the break. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who their play had sort of dipped, and you could certainly make the argument that over the break, over their break, they they might have rekindled their old form, things of that nature. So I'm not really looking at any of that. I am going back because of the break, and, and this time of year, I do go back a lot further when I'm examining rounds to look at kind of pedigree more than recent form. And so there are some guys, some big names that have sort of been out of the spotlight the last two, three months that I think I'm going to play this week that I'm hoping others don't play. Uh, There you go. If you're watching on YouTube, you're looking at the media website and there is a Monday field update. Sebastian Munoz out. Martin Trainer in. That's unfortunate. I liked Sebastian this week. Yeah, I I felt the same way. Um, A real bummer. Hmm. Real bummer. Okay, well, here's what we will do. Uh, We will turn our attention to the cheat sheet. We will go through each and every tier. We'll talk about these guys. We'll skip over Sebastian Munoz, and we'll see what we can find. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. $10,000 range. Sam Burns, 10-7. Sahith Tagala, 10-4. JT Poston, 10-2. Russell Henley, 10-1. That is your upper range. Greg, how would we like to spend our money here? And if you could offer up a thought, please, on one Sahith Tagala, that would make uh, Flaming Row in the chat very happy. He's coming all the way in from Dublin. Do you know what time it is in Dublin right now? Ooh, uh, Late. Very late. Very. What is it? 11? It's uh, near midnight, right? It's n- almost 11 p.m. It's about almost 10, 11. 1045 p.m. Uh, he is tuning in and watching the first cut. Thank you very much for that. All right. So I'll uh, I'll start right there. Um, Sahi Thigala. He has been. I, I love I love watching him play. Uh, I'm very impressed with his game. 
I have a very hard time picking when is it when Asahi week is and when it isn't. Um, and he's, I mean, just look through this list, right? You see some uh, on and off off the tee of late, on and off approaching the green, on and off, on and off around the green, uh, on and off with the putter. He is a a hit or miss guy in all these different categories. So this is a terrible answer, but it's, he is always, uh, always has a chance of winning, always has the capability of contending. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you know, see the future with him. Some guys, they, they show you what's coming, right? You've talked about it a lot, Rick. Sung J M mm-hmm. tells you it's coming before it happens. Uh, Sahi, I, I haven't seen much to go on to make me feel really strongly or, or very much against him in any given week. I, I think he has the game to handle a golf course like this. I do, but I, I tend to, I tend to stay away from a top price guy who I'm so, um, uneasy or unsure of. So I guess that's my, that's my answer out of, uh, Sahi Tagala. And, and part of the reason is I like Sam Burns so much. Is he going to be hung over? I, I mean, I, I think these guys have shown us that they can, they know how to get themselves right. Um, they, they know how to handle a turnaround like this. You know, we saw, we had questions after the Olympics when they came back and played in Memphis the very next week. And you saw a leaderboard littered with guys who traveled from Japan the the week before they, they just, they know how to get ready for a tournament. And if you look at the course key stats and then you go over to the cheat sheet and you look at the guys who are the best approach players or the best putters in the field, the two key areas, Sam Burns is one of the few who in the last 50 rounds gained strokes, both putting and, uh, and approaching the green. He's one of the very, one of the best putters in this field. Lost strokes putting last time and won. I I really like what I saw out of Sam Burns last week, even though he only got what a half a point or a point. Uh, I thought he played some really good golf, and I think I think he's going to give it a run for his money this week. So I, I'm a Sam. I'm on Sam Burns here. Sam Burns has almost lost strokes putting and won here twice. He did it. He did it last year, and then he had a T three in 2018 where he gained almost 11 strokes ball striking and lost to it the putter finished t3 but he the the crazy thing is he's a great putter he's a great putter and he's also putted well here before yeah it's, yeah. it's actually it's actually kind of bizarre what what is happening with these stats so i mean he's he's the most complete player in the field we talk about floors and ceilings and typically the putting is the thing you want to see go up and down well he he can have a down putting we can win but he he's a great he he hit it great last week so i'm I know, see, um, you're, are you thinking he's going to be pretty popular? Yeah, I think people, because he's the only distinguishable name in this entire field. And what I mean is distinguishable from the rest of the field. You could take this re- the rest of this 10K range. Like, honestly, guys, if, if I asked you to put Sahith Tagala, JT Poston, and Russell Henley down at, I don't know, 9,300, 9,200, and 9,000. And I asked you to put Davis Riley, Emiliano Grillo, and Christian Bezedenhut uh, up in the range that I just stole JT Post and Russell Henley to hit the gala from. Would any of you be like, wow, that's crazy? I mean, I wouldn't. So I, I just think people are going to look at this list at the top and they're going to say, all right, I got to stick Sam Burns in because he's going to score and he might win. And then let me just make the rest of my lineup. Yeah, and I guess I'm one of those guys. He's that's fair. If you think he's going to win, that's fair. I mean, just you, like it, it comes to a point, Rick. I, I'd like to. I mean, at what percentage do you say? All right, like enough is enough. I'm just going to go ahead and, and skip over this guy. That's that's really the question. He's by far the best player in the field. Um, I am actually getting a little a little more wait, I, how do I want to phrase this? Like a little more gun shy and fading these guys. So I think the one thing we have not talked enough about is we've spent a lot of oxygen on live, but it has directly impacted the fantasy and the betting markets. Mm-hmm. All of those guys, all, all of the guys that used to live in the middle of these fields or in tier two or upper tier three are gone. And we have seen the chalkiest year we've ever 
seen. Uh, not just uh, Max Domi. And you, you attribute that to Liv. I, I think that that is part of it uh, because, uh, again, I mean, think about like the Abraham Answers, the Joaquin Neimans, the Brooks Kepkas, the Bryson DeChambeau's. These guys lived in like the 25 to 40 to 1 portion of the betting board week in and week out. They are all gone. Uh, so now the guys at the top of the board who already had the most win equity get more of it, right? Mm. It's still possible. It's still possible, guys. 60, 70, 80 to 1, whatever. 100 to 1 can win. But we have seen statistically this has been the chalkiest year. And we're starting off the new season with another. Max Homa, the most expensive golfer, the favorite, wins again. These guys are defending titles more often. They are winning in succession more often. And I believe the removal of Mark Leishman and Taylor Gooch and Abraham Anser and Joaquin Neiman and Brooks Koepka and Bryson DeChambeau and all these guys that lived right there in the middle is impacting the top of the board and they are winning frequently. So, so you're saying just to um, iron this out, there's fewer guys in the field that can take away their chance of winning. And then there's also fewer choices that the um, that the population betting or DFS has to go with. So when you define chalk, are you saying high ownership guys or so guys uh, with low odds to win? Both. So I ran the numbers on this. If you give, if you want to give me a second, I'll I'll, I'll pull it up. But both. Um, not only the popular golfers had their best season ever last year, but the odds, the the, the shorter guys. So let's see, um, nine of the last sixteen winners on tour were shorter were 20 to one or shorter. Uh, that's over 50%. The normal odds on that is about 20%. We've more than doubled wow. that rate in the last year or so. Um, in the 2022 season, golfers who were 30% owned or more outperformed golfers that were 25% owned or more outperformed golfers that were 20% owned or more. And they did it at a higher rate of return than any season we've seen recently. So I mean both Greg. All right. So now as does that mean that you look at the ownership less or are you more willing to play chalk? Are you trying to differentiate in other ways? How do you, how do you use that? That one I'm more willing to play Sam Burns and be different elsewhere where I think a year ago I would have 100% passed on this on this Burns spot. I would there, I would have had I never would have had Burns see it. Like I just I, like it would be he's going he's staring down the barrel of like 33% ownership as a defending champion, the only name in the field, the guy who played well enough when people tuned into the President's Cup last week and I would have never had any Sam Burns. I'm much more likely to have Sam Burns and five guys that are 9% or less. Yeah, I, I completely understand Th- those statistics you just dropped. Um, and I know you had a, a, a podcast episode on that, too. They're pretty staggering. I mean, the reality is, you know, normally I'm like a big 9K guy, which I am for this tournament, too. But, it, you know, the idea that I would actually say to myself or out loud, well, I'm going to skip over Sam Burns and take a contrarian Scott Stallings, who's just eight or nine guys down. I mean, it's kind of like laughable, right? So, I mean, I understand if, you you know, Sam Burns, if you think he's going to be the higher scorer or among the high scores in the top five and has way more win equity than, than really anybody else, which I think both things are true in this particular tournament, uh, I don't mind taking Sam Burns and then just, you know, do it, like making sure that you're not super chalky the rest of the way. <laughs> It's a fascinating thing, but Greg, I, my, my larger thing is I think there's a lot of things there's kind of like a perfect storm that has created this situation. I think a lot of it is, um, the live guys who on a weekly basis had a, had a 3% win equity have left. And now the guys that had a 7% win equity at the top now have like a 12% win equity. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's like this, this group that was in a similar class, and ate up a certain number. They ate up certain price points, right? And certain uh, odds and certain win equity are gone, and what's left all gets kind of jumbled. Some guys shoot up, and th- and the other thing, just thinking about this, I imagine it parses out the field and it leads uh, fantasy golfers, fantasy golf players to the more of the same guys, right? 
which is what I'm finding when I go through my analysis. There are a couple of clear guys in every price range. And then I look at the projected ownership and uh, it's like everybody that I really liked on a Monday before we have projected ownership is, uh, is chalk. And so everybody's seeing what I'm seeing. And, and I think you're, I think you're right. There's, there's less, uh, less opportunity. You know, the other thing, Greg, uh, you're moving, you're moving the needle on the show. You come on here and you say, well, I would never mention that. And then everyone, and then everyone plays them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just to put some rankings to Sam Burns, if we go last 50 rounds uh, and I'm not going to, I mean, second in DK points in this field, first in birdies, Let's see, first in strokes gain par five, fourth in putting, which we know is going to be important. So, like, it, it's tough to turn down that scoring, even if it's chalky. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think there's some obvious game theory in fading Sam Burns, but I certainly, especially with, with what Rick just dropped in terms of what we saw last year, I understand playing Sam Burns and then, you know, making sure you're not taking chalky guys the rest of the way. All right, let's yeah. let's roll on. Um, the 9K range, small. Denny McCarthy, 99. Sebastian Munoz, 97. No, he's out. Uh, Taylor Montgomery, 96. Scott Stallings, 95. Keegan Bradley at 94. Then we rounded out with Christian Bezadenhout, Emiliano Grillo, and Davis Riley at 93, 92, and $9,000 respectively. Greg, 9K range is yours. So I uh, loved Sebastian Munoz until... Yeah. I heard about him and I'm sure he would have been chalk, not just because I said it, but uh, I think a lot of people were going to be on him this week. But I see him mentioned the other guy here for me. There are two, but Scott Stallings, I'm very comfortable with the tour championship was a disaster. Uh, He lost 12, lost over 12 strokes approaching the green. But before that, the guy had gained in six of seven events approaching the green. He was hitting it like a champion. And and I, I love seeing that. I think that's going to be really important. He was putting well. He's won here. He's got a tied six finish here just two years ago. It seems like uh it, it seems like a great spot for Scott Stallings, whose abilities match the course. And he's had a little bit of time to recover from the end of a season that I'm sure was a whirlwind for him. Getting to that, getting to East Lake for him was really special and emotionally uh, exhausting. I think he's recovered, uh, and I think you're going to see him get back to baseline. I think he'll be a great play. Yeah, Scott Stallings, that approach week he had in Atlanta, by far his worst worst approach week ever, his fourth worst week in general ever, and he's been around a long time. So uh, unlikely that something like that happens again. Sia, this 9K range is yours. Yeah, I like I like Scott Stallings. I mean, I think, you know, in terms of how much he lost ball striking, I guess at a certain point he just kind of checked out because there's just no real explanation for that coming off of all the great approach games he had there. I don't I don't mind Scott Stallings at all. Um, I like Emiliano Grillo quite a bit. Uh, we've talked about him a lot lately where the ball striking has seemed to come back, but the putter has been different and it's been different for Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. It's been different for a long enough period of time that I trust that this is more of a, of a trend than it is a blip on the radar. So the, those two guys, I I like Stallings. I think Stallings might maybe get some popularity. I think an interesting pivot. I don't know how pivot worthy it's going to be because he is kind of a name, but Keegan Bradley, I I like as well. This is one of those where if I'm looking at recent form, it doesn't look great. Actually looks much worse than not very great. But if I'm going by pedigree and what I know him to be as a, a solid ball striker. And we saw some recovery with the putter last year where he started to putt pretty well. So I think he's a guy, especially if he's slightly lower owned in this range, I don't mind pivoting to at all. Okay, Greg, this is a really interesting conversation to have. And you like, you get this right where Keegan Bradley down the stretch, lost strokes on approach in four straight. He has not done yeah. that since 2011. Okay. It's been over a decade since he's lost strokes on approach in four straight events. However, it's been five weeks since he's played, right? So do we give these guys enough credit to say they are going to get back to their baseline when they have five weeks to go home, rest, get right, work with their coach, find their game again? Because if so, if we are willing to to commit to that, uh, Keegan Bradley, Russell Henley both look like some of these like flying under the radar pivot options for guys to just get back to their baseline. Yes. Now, uh, 
with Russell Henley, um, at, at his price point, I'm much less comfortable taking that chance because I don't want to pass on Sam Burns on that kind of flyer. But if I can put Keegan Bradley in here along with Sam Burns, um, or if you know maybe I go with a Thigala or a or a Poston or start with Stallings and go with Keegan right after that, uh, I think it's a really interesting play. Because you're right, it's very likely that he does get back to baseline. It's likely that that's a end of the season, uncharacteristic ball striking performance. Um, his he's played well here before. He has a tied fourth finish here. He has a miscut. He's never lost strokes approaching the green here. Um, comfortable with Bermuda grass, uh, at least in the ball striking category. So it's and you see this at, at the beginning of the season. Like I, I like to go through and I put a lot of this out on Twitter. What do the guys in the top 10 do leading into the event? And at the beginning of the year, you see much more volatility where guys that have been in bad form play great. Uh, and, and guys that have been in good form sometimes take a fall where towards the end of the season, when we get into July, it seems like every week I'm putting out the same thing where it's, well, uh, everybody in the top 10 gained strokes in two of their last three events or better uh, approaching the green and putting, uh, you know, five of six in putting for, uh, you know, seven guys in the top 10. The recent form becomes much more important later in the season. This is a big reason why guys have taken time off. They've gotten a little bit of work done. uh, They've taken their own kind of off season. I, I think um, Keegan's not my favorite play here, but the concept absolutely has legs. If you're willing to reset everyone back to their 100 round baseline, Keegan Bradley is the fourth best ball striker in this field, seventh best overall. That t- Take that for what it's worth. You have to yep. decide whether you're willing to reset everybody, but if you do, that's where Keegan lies. Uh, any other comments in the 9K before we jump on down to the eights? Um, I just want to point out that Keegan did finish fourth here in 2021. I think Davis Riley is probably going to be popular, sort of that hometown narrative. But I, I do want to caution you while maybe, you know, course history isn't paramount. It is when, when you're talking about a hometown guy, I do think it's worth bringing up and two missed cuts over the last two tournaments. I think he has tremendous upside, but I just I wouldn't hang your hat on the hometown narrative with Davis Riley just because he doesn't seem like he's performed well here. And um, I also have to ask, what do we think of Taylor? Yeah, there, there you go, Rick. That's right where I was going. Gotcha, brother. I Came know. in third last week. Um, he was our uh, at least my, at least my top dog coming in off the uh, off the Corn Ferry Tour into this season. How do we feel after a third place finish at the Fortinet? Uh, I he mean, will, he will not gain eleven strokes again <laughs> with the putter, yeah. but he's a very good putter and. Um, I, like I've, there, I I probably could not be more bullish on someone coming up from the corn fair. I mean, he's just he's a top ten machine. He proved it in Napa. Um, the guy just the you put him in a field, he figures out a way to get to the top of it. End of story. Yeah, I I uh, tend to agree. He feels a little uncomfortable. Feels a little like Keegan Bradley, where are, we're going to reset. All right, we're going to base this. We're going to almost take Fortinet out of this. If you took Fortinet out, I'd put him in. No question. And he came in third at the Fortinet. Yeah, I mean, that's five straight top nine finishes across the Corn Ferry when the Corn Ferry gets to its most difficult at the end of the year and his first like PGA Tour event as a as a tour member. A third. Great. Yeah. Love that. Uh, we're going to go to the eights, sevens, and sixes. Plus, we've got some narrative lineups at the end of the show. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. $8,000 range quickly. Sepp Straka, Thomas Dietrich, Adam Hadwin, Harris English, Taylor Moore, Seamus Power, Trey Mullinax. Then we rounded out with Chris Kirk, Gary Woodland, Wyndham Clark. See ya. Uh, please tell us how to spend our dollars in the 8K range. A few guys I have my eye on here. I'm actually super curious what Greg has to say about Hadwin, if anything. I, Harris English is interesting, but the, the three guys I want to point out, Thomas Dietrich is certainly one of them. Um, I, I mean, speaking of guys that have just been great, uh, particularly as of late, Dietrich's been doing it on the World Tour. He's done it a little bit on the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour. I think he might be kind of a, a guy on the rise that we can catch at the right time. How about each of his last three events are on a different tour? 
So he plays Fortinet on the PGA, the BMW PGA Championship on the DP World Tour, and the Corn Ferry Tour Championship on the Corn Ferry Tour. Right? I mean, he just plays all over the place, and he's a great ball striker. Yeah, that this is this is a fun one. And he's great off the tee if you're into that. But but more importantly for me, while he's great off the tee, he's he can spike with the putter and with the approach game. So he's one of those guys that's going to be a little volatile. But this is the type of guy that I think has win equity in the 8K range of all the 8K guys as I sort of scan my eyes over them. I think he might have the most win equity, actually. So I'm going to be on Thomas Dietrich. I think Trey Mullinax is interesting. Um, you know, I guess at the Fortnite, I was off of him. But I think I like him here, tied for four here last year. Um, but his Fortnite miscut was a putter issue exclusively. He was okay in the ball striking department. He just couldn't find the putter. So I'm willing to overlook that. I'm hoping a few less people are on him at this point. And then finally, Wyndham Clark, as you get down to the, to the lower 8K range. I'm willing to take a chance on him. Great off the tee game. And... and and can sometimes spike with the putter, kind of what I'm looking for here. We asked the question at the Fortinet uh, when Trey Molinax had gained strokes on approach in five straight, Greg. We said, is this a mirage or has he found something? Uh, yeah. And it seems that he might have found something because he gained another two strokes on approach in two rounds at the Fortinet. Now, see is right. He coughed it up and then some with the flat stick, which is obviously not great. But like this, this is starting to look more and more like real improvement. Uh, will you hit his splits for me? Sure. I hadn't checked that out. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Nothing uh, that sways me either way. But yeah, Trey Molinax was the name I circled. Uh, I ended up listening to you guys and I didn't go as heavy on Trey Molinax last week as yeah, we, I was we planning. We, we got away with that one. <laughs> yeah, we got away with it. But my what it did is it proved to me that you go back to him this week. Uh, this this is now the perfect Trey Molinax week. So all in on Trey Molinax. I hope I don't see you know, 25, 30% projected ownership again this week. And I don't think I will. So he was one. Of, I only had two guys in this range that I wrote down. Uh, Adam Hadwin's not one of them. I'm, I'm not overly interested in Adam Hadwin. Um, I just, I, I don't see, an, I, I don't see enough. It's just kind of hmm. bleak. Hmm. Now, maybe, maybe he's had enough time to work on it and he comes back in great form. But I, I still don't think the upside is there for me right now to take the flyer chance the way I might on Keegan Bradley, who you mentioned. Um, if there's one reason to play Adam Hadwin, perhaps it's the President's Cup snub narrative. Whether that's truly a snub or not is irrelevant. Maybe he thinks it's a snub. Maybe he's got a, you know he owes Canada uh, a, a good performance because of what just happened with their O and eight performance at the president's cup between two players. But I'm not, I'm not playing that kind of narrative. Uh, maybe with Grillo, it adds to it. The other guy I wrote down is actually right below Adam Hadwin Harris English. I'm willing to take a chance on him. Um, now I've been seeing an improvement. The putter has been great when he comes back. And in my mind is the course key stats. Putting is quite important. Mm -hmm. He checks that box. Approaching the green when he first came back from injury was red. And it seems like, although it's still red, there's still minus signs. It's getting closer and closer to white. And I'm wondering with a little bit of time off, is Harris English going to start to hit the ball a little bit better again? And this might be a great spot for him. Uh, and, and he's also played really well here in 2019. He came in tied sixth um, and he hit it great back then. I think we could see it again. So I'm, I'm willing to say that Harris English has started to have enough time to where he is a great value in this field. Harris English is $8,600, struggled mightily, but as Greg mentioned, top 10 at the Fortinet. Last time he played this event was 2020, finished sixth. Then maybe can parlay some of those good vibes into another good finish. The sevens. Uh, there's a lot of them. I won't read them all, but it is Brendan Steele at 7,900 down to... A gaggle of names at 7,000. Brandon Wu, C.T. Pan, Dylan Fratelli, amongst others. So, Sia, how do we find ourselves clicking names in the 7K range? Definitely some nice names in the 7K range that can make your lineup 
a lot different if you're if you're chalky, if you're chalky up top, uh, which I expect a lot of people to be. Um, starting with Alex Smalley, I, I think this is another golfer that that's probably on the rise. You know, over over the last fifty rounds, which I'm not even sure he qualifies for that, but. He's top 25 in a lot of the categories that I'm looking at, especially those scoring stats. Uh, I like what I'm seeing with the birdies and the opportunities. Um, you know, strokes gain par five isn't super impressive, but he's really checking a lot of the boxes. So I think he's very interesting. If you look at his finishing positions, which we can see here watching on YouTube, I mean, he's got a lot of top 15s peppered in here since July. So it, 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 it the upside is certainly there, especially in the 7K range. Ben on is another guy that I think is interesting, certainly trending well. Um, I, I wonder if he's going to pick up a little popularity because his name has just kind of been bandied about, but trending well on the KFT tour or KFT, I should say, but it actually translated over to the Fortinet as we see here. And he didn't do it all with the putter, but then again, he did a lot of it with the short game, but he was great off the tee, even on approach. Uh, I think he's a decent play there. Kevin Streelman, not a guy that's flashing from a metric standpoint, but that's one of those guys like Keegan Bradley where I'm looking at course fit and I'm looking at pedigree. And I think he's a guy that could kind of establish himself early in the season as a guy that, you know, won't be soon forgotten. A couple kind of random names as we go down the 7K range. Will Gordon, I mean, impeccable display on the Corn Ferry Tour. He might be back. (laughs) I think Will Gordon's back. I, I I almost want to make it official here. The Fortinet T36, and he lost over four strokes around the green. Nice. I mean, his ball striking was amazing. But forget about the Fortinet. He's been doing it on the Corn Ferry Tour, too. At, dating back to, let's say, August, he's been on fire. Yeah, his last six starts anywhere are T5, T5 win, T46, T26. That's the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. That's the best field they get all year long. And then the Fortinet, as Sia mentioned, is a T36, but uh, gained four strokes total, but gave back four around the green. So obviously... That's not good. If you clean that up a little bit, uh, you're talking about a completely different type of finishing position. Yeah. I like, uh, one, I like, one, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say one thing that I, I notice short game is a separator. When you go from the corn Ferry tour to the PGA tour, it, that can start to really uh, show up more and more and more greens and regulation percentages on the corn Ferry tour are higher than they are on the PGA tour. Um, you're, it's much easier to hit the greens on the corn Ferry tour than the PGA tour is the easiest way to say it. And so a short game weakness often shows up with these rookies or guys who go from one tour to the next, and it can be the difference maker. So that's a little bit more of a concern to me. And I, I'm looking at that. I like what I see with his ball striking. I don't think this is a Michael Kim situation who missed the cut last week. I told you guys. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, you did. I, I just have a little bit of caution with Will Gordon. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, from what I'm seeing his, his driving in terms of keeping it in the fairway, it's, it's decent. It's certainly not impeccable. And he's long. Um, and he's long. Yeah. Off the tee. He's great. Um, so hopefully he keeps it in the fairway, gives himself a shot to, to hit the greens. But the only other guy I want to mention, Steven Yeager, uh, he's, he's another guy that, that is kind of seems to be up and coming four cuts in a row headlined by two top 15s dating back to July. Uh, he can spike with the approach game. He can spike off the tee and with the putter. So certainly a guy with the right volatility. Mark Hubbard is in this range. And the reason I bring up Mark Hubbard is because Greg mentioned something earlier, which I thought was excellent. So, he was looking back at the course key stats. He noticed that strokes gained approach, strokes gained putting have both been highly regarded. Uh, so I added them up, Greg. I don't know what we would call this stat where you combine approach and putting. I, I don't know what we'd call it. Um, I would say you could call it official money. <laughs> you could call it just a money list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that, that gets the job done like yeah. literally everywhere. Money ball. So last 36 rounds, uh, here are the best players in strokes gained money ball. Uh, Sam Burns, plus 2.15. Chesson Hadley, 1.23. Christian Bezadenhout, 1.20. Mark Hubbard, 1.19. JT Post in 1.18. So that's three-ish guys at the top in Burns and Bezadenhout and, and Poston. You get Hubbard here in the 7K range. And I believe Chesson Hadley is also 6K. 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 He's still coming up, Greg. Yep. Uh, and we'll talk about him. 
Okay. Because he's on my list. Uh, yeah, the one thing I worry about with Hubbard is his record here isn't great. Not he's lost strokes putting every year here. Um, and I don't know if... I mean, it's an interesting thing. I mean, maybe. I just... He, he's played in 2020, 2019, 2015, 2014. He's never finished better than uh, T51. And he's always lost strokes putting here. Maybe he's found something that leads to a change. Uh, but I don't know if that's enough for me to get on him, um, especially when you have Steven Yeager down here, who I'm right there with you, Sia. I think he might be the play of the 7K range. Um, Al- Alex Smalley was big time on my list because um, he's improved. He's gained strokes putting in three out of the last four, and that's his, you know, a weak area for him. So I really like that. But let's talk about Steven Yeager since he got him up. Um, Steven Yeager has a tied 14th here, tied 26 here, missed two cuts. Um, but he's also done very well, um, uh, approaching the green. He's putted, he's gained strokes in his last four on the greens. Uh, and he, he lost a little bit on approach at the Fortinet and a little bit at the FedEx, the first playoff event, but the three prior before that, I, I think you could see this come right back to life. I really like Steven Yeager. Yeah, he's speaking of guys who, you know, outside of that, the small losses there, approach and putting, he he married those uh, a lot in his last couple of, of starts there. Yeah. And it leads to, you know, <laughs> money, money. Yeah. It, the playoffs, right? It's the low fit. That's what you got to do. Hit it close and knock it in. <laughs> the other stuff doesn't matter if you could do that. Um, really? So, true. Yeah. I mean, those are like the two things. If you're, if you can throughout the season in fantasy golf, pay yeah. attention to approach and recent, recent putting, you're going to be in really good shape. So I, I had another podcast where I did basically that. So that, the, so, okay. So Greg is absolutely right. So when you look at winners and where their strokes gains come from, across the four major categories. A third of them come from approach and a third of them come from putting. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that uh, if they were all equal, 25% would be coming from each one of these buckets. So heavily on approach and heavy putting. The guys that do that, then you look at the stat profiles of golfers that do those things very well and the names are the names you'd expect them to be. It's like Sam Burns and Patrick Cantlay and Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas, John Rahm and George yeah, and like Rory McIlroy, like it's it's those Jordan, Sung J M and Xander Shaw, like it's those guys. I'm looking at the list; it's those guys. Um, so if you can find yourself one of those guys, uh, it's very handy. And some guys, like those guys, they do it for their career, right? And that's why they are Hall of Famers. Uh, and then there are other guys, like potentially a Steven Yeager. Uh, there are some other guys in this field who we've mentioned. Mark Hubbard might be an example who can do it for three or four weeks in a row uh, a couple times. And it keep, it's enough for them to keep their card. But if you can find the week where they're going to do it, now all of a sudden uh, you can be a DFS Hall of Famer. And that that's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a little trick that works really well. Anybody else? I have one guy. Uh, I had two guys. We don't even have to go in depth because I don't like going in this direction at all. My stomach is turning just saying this. But uh, Luke List and Russell Knox were on my list. You're right. We don't have to go into those. So how about Davis Thompson? Oh, I wrote his name down too. Okay. So Davis Thompson, uh, Corn Ferry, going back to June. He won in early June. Had a T6 a couple weeks later. His last four events were a T15, a T46, a T56, but a T9 at the Fortinet in which he gained across the board. And he's played this event before. Uh, I think he finished like 35th last year. Yeah, T35. I think he's a, is he an old Miss guy? Davis Thompson? That sounds, that sounds right. I'll find out. Davis. I don't know top of head. He's, 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 uh no, he's a Georgia guy. But he's from Alabama. And if you ask most of the country, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, all the same thing. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Same, same exact thing. As long as you don't have any like uh, college football allegiances, they're all the same. Um, okay. Anybody else in the sevens before we move on? No, they've all been met. My list is covered. Okay. $6,000 range. $6,900. Uh, Peter Malnati, who has hoisted the rooster. Right. Yep. Remember? Yep. Uh, Rory Sabatini, Callum Tarrant, amongst others. And the min priced golfers for this week are. Oh, Jim Herman. I'm playing him. The Hermanator. Jason Duffner. Wow. Jackson Suber. Remember him? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Westmoreland. He's a core fairy guy. Is he yes, not? he yeah. is. Ryan Brem, who uh, won last year, didn't he? The Puerto Rico Open. Wow, I'm on fire. And Trevor Werbilo. Werbilo. He's a Corn Ferry Tour graduate. Werbilo. He's, uh, I think he's Australian. Hmm. That's all I know. 100. <sighs> Yikes. Fall from grace. All right, see ya. $6,000 range. What do we got? I'm I'm looking at Robert Streb at 6,400. I I for some reason think that's uh, that's interesting, but I only have a few names here. Um, Chesson Hadley is certainly one of them. Uh, I I love how he's finished. I love how he seems to have at least captured a semblance of his old form from a few years ago with with the ball striking. Uh, it certainly doesn't look impeccable, but this approach game has trended for quite some time, and we know he can get hot with the putter, and we've seen evidence of that recently. Listen, here's what you're gonna get. Uh, Fifth, T10, T68, T31, 10th, missed cut, T8, missed cut, missed cut. You look at his Sanderson Farm stuff, and it's a lot of the same, if I remember correctly. Uh, cut, runner-up, cut, cut, T45. You're going to get a lot, or you're going to get a little. You're not yeah, going to get which which is kind of perfect for for this range because if you're getting like a top fifteen out of out of a six k guy, like you've just you kind of just made your tournament lineup. So I, I like Chesson. Uh, I think Tyler Duncan is interesting. The approach has been bad as of late, but um, typically he's he's okay. Um, the putter has been good lately, so I think that's interesting. If you look at his approach game prior to let's say August, uh, it really checks out. The off the tee game's been good. His scoring stats aren't bad either for somebody who's in the six K range. Uh, Adam Schenk comes to mind. Um, approach putting, you know, the the putting's been actually pretty good. I think for Adam Schenk, I think it's the approach game that has been. Oh no, it's it's actually the approach game's been good. Okay, so the approach game's been yeah, good. The putter's been, you know, like hemorrhage three strokes around the green. He's going to give himself a chance, right? So I think Adam Shank is interesting. Uh, you know, I looked up Joel Dom and I wanted to find a reason to play him on pedigree, but I, I don't really know what's happened to his game. It's it hasn't been good at all lately. I think that's just an interesting name in this field. Uh, he could be, he could be one of those Keegan Bradley type guys. Mm-hmm. That's on. That's unlike him. Boy, this is bad. This is six straight losing multiple strokes on approach down uh, down the stretch, giving yeah. a ton back with the putter. The tee to green stuff's heinous. Mm-hmm. What happened? I'm not sure. No, that you know what that could be. Do you know how many events he played this year? About it, a million. It, yeah, over thirty. Right. That looks to me like fatigue. Like end of the season, I got my card. I'm gassed. That's what it looks like to me. Anyway, did you see him, did you see him tweet out? I wonder if Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley are uh, are annoyed by Tom Kim's antics. <laughs> yes, coming from the guy who took his shirt off and waved it over his head yeah. in Phoenix, talking yeah. about antics. Yeah. That was the bit, right? I mean, I hope he was doing a bit. That had to be a bit. I'll give Uh, Joel Damon enough credit that that was a bit. I think you're going to see Joel Damon come out refreshed. Now, I'm okay to wait. I don't think you have to play him this week. But I think you're going to see a turn. turn. Now, I don't know if that just means a made cut. uh, You know, gains a stroke approaching the green and finishes tied 45th. But I'm watching watching him because I... That can't, he's too good for that to continue. Uh, 6K range is yours, Greg. All right. Um, So let's see. I I have Chesson down. I understand the risk. I like the risk. Uh, I have Rory Sabatini on my list. Uh, I'm enamored with him. Uh, um, And again, it's really, 
only because of his San- his Sanderson Farms performances. He's played really well here. Oh, you were confused by it. like you had the wrong Rory or something. Let's find no Let's find the Sanderson Farms. No, it's it's really go. good. That's much better. Uh, and and there's a lot of it. And he's also he's putting well uh, of late, which I like. And again, just keeping that in my mind that uh, now the one thing is he has been played recently and it's been bad in Europe with the ball striking. So you're not, this is not a Keegan Bradley situation. He hasn't been hitting it well, but this might be a popper opportunity of a week. So I'm very curious about him. Greg, that's a pop opportunity, a pop opportunity, right? Nice. That was an opportunity missed by me. Yes. Nice. Uh, I, I want to stay in the six, six, nine range. And okay. I want to go right to my other corn fairy tour play. I, I um, Taylor Montgomery. I loved the other guy I liked was Carl, uh, Carl, you Uh And I really like what he did at the Fortinet in his miscut. I expect to see that turn around immediately this week. Um, he's, I was he's, so impressed with him this year. If it doesn't, he can be our, our newest rookie of team. No putt. He gained 4.6 T to green at the Fortnite, which is phenomenal. Lost five with the putter in two rounds into he gained, yeah. he gained four and a half strokes from T to green in two rounds and lost five in two rounds. Yeah, that he's he's obviously not going to lose two and a half. If he were to go on to lose two and a half strokes putting every single round, uh, for his like he'd be the by far the worst putter to ever play the game. So I'm gonna I'm I'm with you, Greg. This has got to come back. Yeah, and last fifty rounds, which he's got a couple other ones in there, but last fifty rounds, he's second in the field in strokes gain approach. Yeah, uh, again, putting's ugly, but again, with these corn fairy tour guys, I typically. It's like rookies in in uh, in the NFL and fantasy football. I, I don't like to go to them unless I know something about them. I think it's easy to lump them all together and just say, oh, had a nice corn fairy tour season. I'm going to play him. I like to have a reason. And he showed some consistency throughout the entire year, just like Taylor Montgomery did. Uh, some genuine improvement. And, and there's a reason why the carryover is going to work. And I think those are my top two guys from the corn fairy tour. And I'll give them a chance, you know, almost every week heading up if if the price is right on them. Uh, And this week, I think it is for both of them. Uh, Well, I got one more. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, One other. What do we think about, uh, about some, how about Smotherman? Let's look. I'm so glad you brought him up. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I'm trying to avoid the bias of the song. Do I just like him <laughs> because of the song? Uh, I think there's a real reason to play him. Fun, finished 25th of the Fortinet. He's gained strokes on approach in one, two, three, four, five, six measured events. Not a ton, but he has. He's driving it very well, and the putter can either lose you four or gain you four, which is probably the vol- the vol- the stat you want the volatile nature of. And mm-hmm. especially in this price range. Exactly. You know, at 6,800, he, he could be your differentiator. Do you think he's going to be popular? No, no, no. Nobody in the 6k range is going to be popular enough to avoid. I don't think not this tournament. Okay, great. So he could be a nice little piece to go along with, uh, with, uh, Sam Burns. Uh, So I, um, I'm, I'm very interested in him as well. Uh, I like it. My guy. Harrison Endicott. Hmm. Oh, $6,500. Uh, had a couple top 10s and top 20s at the end of the Corn Ferry season. Gained five strokes on approach in Napa. Gained hmm. across the board. Uh, I told this story a little bit earlier. I saw, I saw him hit the greatest shot I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? Yeah. So it was at Paiute, which was a corn ferry event in Las Vegas in, I think it was like May of 2020. And this is the, where you saw Seamus power. Correct. Okay. So when you miss out there, you're in the desert, you're on the rocks. He nipped this 30 yard wedge from the rocks to a short sided pin where it bounced once stopped and he tapped it in from two inches away for birdie on a par five. And I said, I 
have never seen. Like, I know these guys hit a lot of great shots. So the name just stuck out to me. And then I looked up a stat profile and I liked it from the Fortinet. But that's the greatest shot I've ever seen, like in person. It's the kind of thing when you leave an event like that, you say, these guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, nobody's ever heard of them. It's the best shot you've ever seen. You could have given me 17 buckets of balls. There's no chance I'm ever recreating that. He did it the first time in competition. Um, it was I've, I don't even have to describe. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. Well, that's why he's on the PGA Tour. <laughs> These guys are good. Narrative lineups. I am under the impression we have some. Thank you, Troy. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Oh, where are we starting? Here? Okay. I think farms are going to be a popular narrative for this week. Is that correct? Yeah, farms are going to be. I guess Sanderson Farms, they're, they're a, a, a poultry producer. But yeah, the farms yes. name. Oh, Rick can tell moniker. you all about it. <laughs> we looked this up last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember that. They're like the biggest poultry producer in the world or something. Yeah, they're like on the Fortune 500 list. Yeah, they are. They produce how – I think I asked the same exact question last year because it's freaking amazing. How many chickens do you think they produce in a single week? I don't think you asked this last year. I think you went business. Like what was their rev- net maybe, revenue? Maybe I asked it. Yeah. How many what, was their, what was their cash flow from – How many chickens a week? They produce X number of chickens per week. I'll tell you they're the third largest poultry producer in the United States. Mm, uh, I'm gonna say one million chickens. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little less. I'm gonna go seven hundred eighty five thousand. Apparently, Americans eat a lot of chickens. Thirteen million chickens <laughs> a week. <laughs> a week. <laughs> Thirteen what? million chickens a week is six hundred and seventy six million chickens a year. Wow. Does that seem like a lot? Yeah. (laughs) Does it also seem like that's crazy considering there are two others that are bigger? That's what I was just going to say. Who? uh, How many are the top two making? Why are they not sponsoring a PGA Tour event? (laughs) Can you even name another chick? Does Tyson? Is Tyson? Purdue. Purdue. Purdue and Tyson probably, right? But, I mean, they have, they like sell, you know, chicken treats. But are they, are they, uh, you know, farming the chickens? I don't know. I have Cook Foods, and then I have Sanderson second. But this is not an official list. And then well, industrious media, so I'm not sure I'm on an official list either. Well, what is it? Is this yeah, last 24 or last 50? <laughs> <laughs> who's got Who's got the chicken database out there? Rick <laughs> Chicken Good. <laughs> wow. Let's get to narratives. Okay. Good idea. Uh, The model maniac says he is providing us with a short hashtag SG narrative story about life on the farm as a worker runs in and says, Thomas D tree fell down. And now farmer Joe Bramlett thinks Kyle needs more land, but Scott won't stop stalling because Eric is hung over in the barn after too many Rora Sabatini's. Wow. <laughs> the emojis really makes that one. I mean, like I was like a little confused reading that and that's all the emojis, the descriptors. I, I, I like that one. I like that too. That's pretty good. That was Thomas Dietrich, Joseph Bramlett, Kyle uh, Moreland, Scott Stallings, Eric Barnes, Rory Sabatini, for those who missed that. Odds. That's good. Uh, odds boost. Eric says, uh, same thing, farm narrative. Lucas better put on the glovers before birthing that cow. <laughs> Nate Lashley, those bales of hay. Denny Old McCarthy had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Sam, take a rider on that tractor. Luke Long, list of chores on a farm. And Eric playing with the farmer's daughter in the barns. Wow. Whoa. Spicy. <laughs> this this G-rated show just went to PG. Uh, we have one more slide, I believe. Okay. Yep. Ryan at Fantasy Bunker. Farm-related nursery rhymes that he is reading to his two-year-old daughter every night. Mary Hadwin Little Lamb. 
Pickety pickety, my black Henley. I'm too old. For I that. don't know. I don't know that one. Yeah. The armor in the Dell. That's pretty good. That's strong. Little Sahith has lost her sheep. <laughs> the Itsy Lipsky spider. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> An old McDonald had a farm. E I E I O. Oh, sorry. No. E I E I Grillo. Wow. Yes. yes. <laughs> Not a bad lineup, by the way. Just throwing that out there. I don't know if it fits money-wise. We'll have to look that Adwin, up. Adwin Henley, am I, am Armour, I... Sahith, Lipsky, Grillo. It doesn't fit. It'd be close. That's a lot of money on yeah. three of these guys. John Markowski, the goat, is talking about chicken. Russ Cornish, Game Henley, Christian Bezaden Hooters, famous wings, CT Pan Fried Chicken with gravy, Nick Hardy Chicken Soup with crusty bread, Rory Chicken Sabatini. He says that's not real, but he'll invent the recipe. <laughs> Kevin Chicken Thighs, way more flavorful than chicken breasts. Yeah. Truth. Definitely. Go back to the first one. The short story. I think the model maniac wins. I do too. I don't know. I thought I thought Ryan's was was pretty good. Uh, next to see, okay, John Markowski, you've got competition now, buddy. Yeah. You're not just gonna roll. You're just not gonna just run away with this every week. Right. Oh, by the way, I Rick, I, I should mention we had a lot more. Like I was surprised pleasantly because a lot came in. So obviously we can't put them all up there. But for those of you that didn't have them up, send them next week. We'll we'll put them up there for you. Also, if they use the hashtag at or uh, hashtag SG narrative, we you could just click and read them all as well, assuming that people right. did indeed use the hashtag. Uh, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we get out of here on the Chicken Classic? <laughs> Looking forward to a great week. It's great to be back after a long week off. That's right. That's right. Felt like eternity. Here we are. Big thanks to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme can be found at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time.